A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Barry Podcast, where the lore hounds your guides to escaping prison. I'm John. And I'm David. And this is our coverage of the HBO original series, Barry. In this podcast, we'll be giving an overview of season four, episode four, It Takes a Psycho. Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about our podcasting schedule for the rest of May. Quick housekeeping for early access to ad-free episodes and exclusive content Visit patreon.com slash the lorehounds and stick around to the end of the podcast because we're coming up on our one year anniversary and we've got some new Patreon benefits in the pipeline. So we'll have more information about those at the end of the podcast. If you're enjoying our content and want to give us a leg up, leave us a review and or rating on Apple podcast. Unlike Barry, we like to be found and your ratings and reviews will help us do that. A quick reminder that for this season of Barry, we're doing a short form recap, but if you've got comments on anything we didn't discuss, send us feedback for the next episode. Send emails to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com or head to our website and either use the voicemail feature or the contact form. You can also post a message on our Discord server and we can include those as well. A link to the Discord server is in the show notes below. Well, David, we are jumping in almost halfway through the season of Barry. I know. Uh, but I'm glad that we are because the season is going great. I love this show. I've been pushing for this show since we started podcasting. I wasn't sure when it was going to come back. And here it is, right smack in the middle of a busy season that finally came to an end. What are you thinking about the season so far and particularly this episode? Um, you know, Barry's an interesting show for me. I I binged watch the first two seasons from my sick bed at my in-laws <laughs> house at the <laughs> coast a few years back. I hadn't come across, you know, I'd heard of Barry. I didn't know what it was. I kind of got the flu for this family visit weekend and I just stuck myself in this room and I was looking for things to watch and it was like, oh, Barry. And then I was like, oh my God, this is great. Mm-hmm. And then season three, I don't remember what was going on. It's, I, I didn't feel like I really had time to sink into it. And I feel the same with season four. Every time I'm watching this show, I feel like it's not. I'm not able to give it the due diligence that I think it deserves. Mm-hmm. I think this season, uh, which is the final season, I think Bill Hader is just killing it. He is literally and and fictitiously. Um, it feels like he is so in control of the show. 
It's going exactly where he wants it to go. Mm-hmm. It's looking exactly where it like it like he wants it to look. I was watching last night with uh, my you know earbuds on, and the sound design was really amazing. There was a lots of weird sounds, especially in the sand silo. And I just feel like he's at the top of his game, yep. and he's delivering exact. He knows exactly what he wants to deliver, and he's delivering on that and more. And it's a really cool thing to witness. I think an end of a story, an, an end of a streaming television show, is a really great opportunity for a creative like this team. You know, creatives like this team to fully realize their vision and give it their all. And I really like that feeling like, yeah, we're just giving it to you. This is everything that we've ever wanted to do. We've got the the green light from the studio. None of this, oh, is there going to be another season? Oh, right, is the storyline right. not going to resolve or whatever? They're just going and saying, here's our vision. This is the whole of our vision. And we're executing it on the best possible level we can. And that's the feeling I'm getting from this season. It's great. I really, nice. really love it. Yeah. You? You're yeah, a big Barry um, Stan. I've been a big Barry Stan since season one. I've been watching, you know, live since the beginning, basically. Uh, my wife and I got into it when it came out for, at first. And then it took a while to come back for season two. And then it took yeah. a really long time to come back for season three. And on season three, I was like week to week theorizing with my wife. Mm. I was listening to Bill Hader was doing uh, interviews, I think, with The Ringer weekly. Oh, cool. And he was just talking about, you know, different different things that were happening on the show, where their head was at and approaching these plot lines, because, you know, we've alluded to this, but he's, you know, a writer. He's directing a lot of these episodes. He's starring in it. Obviously, you know, this is his magnum opus. This is Bill Hader (laughs) at large. Yeah. uh, Literally in the show, too. Yeah. And when I was listening to the last season's interviews, I heard him say something along the lines of, we looked at this ending of him going to prison. We said, should there be another season? Because you could leave it there. And then it's sort of a noir thing. Mm. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like you could have ended Breaking Bad at the end of season three. Sure. But aren't you glad we went to season five? Right. (laughs) And I think that with Bill Hader and Barry, he said, all right, do we have an idea for season four that will actually be good? And Mm -hmm. that's when they decided to do a season four. Mm -hmm. And that, that is why I think that this show is still going strong. It's not the same show. It was in the first season, you know, it was a lot more lighthearted in the first season. This is a dark season. Right. And, uh, and the humor is more sparse, but, expertly placed right and expertly executed in a way that will leave you you know laughing one season crying the next and i i'm just so thrilled to be back in this world i'm so thrilled to see bill Hader realize his dream here and yeah. present us with this master class in filmmaking really how do you feel about it being the last season i think it's right okay i think it's right cool i uh i don't want to see this show drag out and right this is a show that had a very sort of almost kitschy premise to begin with. Way, yeah. And it could have gone really silly really fast. Yep. And they have done a great job straddling the line between silly and serious. Mm-hmm. And they've gotten more serious as it's gone on. But I think if they bring it one more degree serious, 
it's just going to be a crime show and it's not going to be a comedy anymore. <laughs> so right. let's just be end like, it while we still territory. have something to laugh yes. about. Right. Yeah. How about you? Do you have any thoughts on that one? Well, like I was saying before, it. I think uh, when good s- stories, for me, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, and I know it's, uh, I, made a, I made this comment before and somebody uh, made a funny comment about it because some stories, you know, like a Tolkien-esque story, epic thing where they just go on for on and on. Okay, well, yeah, that's that's different. But I think when the realm of television and movies, uh, I like stories that have a discrete, not discrete, but a, a clear beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm-hmm. And I think in the world of streaming and the the world of, of television in general, the hope is is that you get a hit show that gets greenlit, the studio is throwing money at you, you got staff, you're employing your writers, your production teams, everything. And you're you're always scrabbling for that next season and you're always you know reaching for that brass ring of right. you know hey, you know you we we we've got renewed for another season. Right. And for me, when a filmmaker um you know be it Succession, which is ending this year as well or or Barry, which is ending or Better Call Saul, which ended, or Breaking Bad, the that's probably one of the hardest rings to grab is mm-hmm. to end it and to end it in a way that's satisfying. That the fans are are left being um, what's the word I want to is replete the right word the word where you're just like oh that was a good meal I'm satisfied I'm done right right and I think it's a big challenge to do that and so to see somebody like Bill Hader with this season. So far, four episodes in, it feels like he's going to stick the landing. I mean, who knows, right? We've yep. got four to go. But it feels so good when a storyteller and a show can say, hey, we're wrapping up and we're going to give it everything we've got and we're going to leave you satisfied. That's our intention. And that takes a lot of confidence. And I think that makes for better storytelling. I think that makes showrunners better, production teams better, actors better when you know that you've got a target that you're trying to hit and then when you get close just like you know when Ted you know lands that bullseye and he's like barbecue right. sauce um yeah. check yeah. out our Ted Lasso podcast if you want the reference for that um it's satisfying you hear that thunk of the dart hit the wall and you're like yep did it done yeah it feels good Exactly. Well, I think that's a good note to jump into the storylines here. Unlike our Ted Lasso podcast, which is another short form podcast we're doing, we're not going to be presenting our favorite moments here, but there's just less plot here. So we're going to go through sort of the major plot line. So I've broken it up into three major plot lines here, each following a character, Gene, Hank and Sally. And we're going to start with Gene. Sounds good. I was. uh, Yeah. And I was wondering, like, oh, how are we going to cover the show? I'm a little intimidated by this show to try to cover it. Really good. So I, I I appreciate that you you broke it up like this. I think it's a much easier thing to follow this way. So, absolutely, yeah. I'm happy to do it. And here we go. Jim Moss and Gene's son are forcing Gene to isolate in his secluded lodge until the trial because of his inability to avoid seeking attention. After learning that Barry has escaped, Gene sets up in a chair by the door with his gun. That night, Gene is woken by a figure trying to open his door that looks like Barry's silhouette. Gene shoots the man through the door and runs upstairs. The audience sees that the man was Gene's son, bringing him food from his favorite restaurant. 
Oh, <laughs> especially the bag of the food that he mentioned yes, earlier. Exactly. It was such a thoughtful gesture. Yep. But I, I just want to complain about this, uh, about this guy's strategy here. Not the writing, but this guy's strategy, his son. Yeah, right. Why very smart. Would you go to a terrified person's home in the middle of the <laughs> night and not call ahead? He has a landline. You have the number. Call right. ahead. Exactly. Yeah, I thought it was rather foolish as well. And he's jiggling at the door lock. And right. what do you expect? Yeah, right. Gene's, Gene's waiting for a confirmed mass murderer to find right. him in the woods. Who knows? And Barry knows where this location is, right? Yes. So that's where he here. killed Janet Moss. Exactly. So, I, a question for you, and again, my my memory is a bit thin on previous seasons. What is the gun that Gene takes out? Because it's in a special box and it has a note. He, and I figured that that had to have been a callback to a pre... And I, I vaguely remember something, but it's escaping me. Yeah, he bought it last season. And uh, at, at the first time he tries to use it, it falls apart because he didn't put it together the right way. <laughs> right, right. But I guess he, he has learned to put it together now. Maybe he hired somebody to do it. Right. And I think that's the gun. And maybe that, that might be the gun that Barry used to hold up Jim Moss. Okay. Although, why to... would he have that? If it, that should have been submitted to evidence, right? Mm, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just uh, making connections here that don't exist, but... It's right. certainly a nice gun, and it's used in a not very nice way. No. Um, and Gene's inability to uh, not seek attention. Yes. What is that? Like, What is that in your character oh, that yeah. you've got to... I mean, this going back to, was it last episode, episode three? <laughs> where he does the, the one-man the one act. Yeah. <laughs> what, like, really? Like, that is such a... That is such strange... That's such a strange way of behaving and acting yeah. around this, which is a great illumination of Gene's character. And right. God bless Henry Winkler, because this is a great sec third, fourth, whatever act for his career. Right. It's a really delicious role for him to be playing. And that sort of scared, frightened, but super confident actor, you know, he's a big man in one way, but <laughs> a small man in so many other ways. Yeah, he's he's fabulous in this role. Yes, he is. And it, this this act of doing the one-man play and just... <laughs> so ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous, but it's totally in line with his character sure. from the previous seasons, right? I yeah. mean, he writes a book about how great he is at acting after mm -hmm. he's lost his whole career. He gets somebody blacklisted for no reason. He verbally abuses his class as we as we get confirmed here in, in this season when Sally tries to use Gene's tactics on... Right, uh, another yes. woman. Now, yeah. now we've been through some social movements, and now, and also, I do think that the standards that we hold men to and women to are different mm. uh, when we look at teachers, and that may be something that the show is trying to say. Yeah, that, that's a good point. That Sally's it's being a really held to point. a higher standard. I know now. I'm talking standard. about a previous episode. Yeah, it's fair. I think we. I think we have to touch back on right. one to three at, at various points. I think it's right. it's fair game. But my point um, is this this absurdity of Gene Cousineau and the, the mm, Cousineau method mm -hmm. is really being brought to light here. And and I actually think that Jim Moss was pretty kind to this guy, considering right. the state he left the reporter in. Mm -hmm. He was pretty kind to Gene Cousineau. He got off easy. I'd go to the lodge. I'd stay there. Right. <laughs> exactly. I, um, I don't think I t told you this. I think one of my first exposures to Barry as a show was riding the subways back when we lived in New York City 
and there were move there were posters on a subway line or you know various subway lines of you know Kushino acting mm-hmm. method whatever and i was like and i'd see the picture and i'm like that's henry winkler who's yeah, this kushino yeah. guy and the name kushino is so perfect i don't know how they figured that out but that the name and i was like i kind of convinced myself well uh, isn't he just some famous actor and i guess he's doing some subway advertising for his mm-hmm. you know method acting classes or something oh also also, have you noticed he changes the pronunciation over time? Oh, it started no, off Kusano, and uh, it becomes more Kusanao as he goes. Okay. The more famous he gets, I've just noticed uh-huh. he's, he says Kusanao more often. Or maybe Funny. it's just Henry Winkler forgetting how to pronounce something, but I doubt it. Right. I doubt it. He's very... Per- I think it's um, intentional. Intentional in that way. But yeah, so the, seeing these subway ads, uh, that was a really, really great thing because Kusanao is such a, mm-hmm. he is such an egomaniac, right? He's such, his ego is so starved for the attention that he's wanted for so long, and he finally gets it. And the only way he knows how to process it, I guess, is to do this one-man show for this right. reporter, this Vanity Fair reporter. <laughs> With the notes. I mean, just the wild <laughs> right. goose chase that he leads his reporter on is so funny. It's oh, so right, perfect right. for the yeah, show. It's exactly. so perfect for Gene. <laughs> They've been handling his character perfectly, especially this season. Yeah. And uh, what, what did he say to Barry in the first episode? I got you. You know, like mm-hmm. he, yeah. he really milks every moment. And, mm. and Henry Wiggler will always steal the scenes he's in, I think. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Anything else you have to say on this plot line? There wasn't a lot here. No, not this time around. I think, uh, I think we've covered most of it, but we're probably, yeah, it's going to be, I have no idea to predict. I cannot predict at all where Gene's storyline is going to go. No. And it's going to play out. They're, Do they're you think his so son is dead? It looked, I was looking closely and it seemed like he might have hit him in the shoulder, mm-hmm. which is. But there were two shots. There were, and I don't know where the first shot, you know, we don't know where the first or second shots went. Right. I couldn't detect on my TV whether that dark on his shoulder was, you know, the blood, the wound, or if that was just, you know, shadows from the set lighting. I guess I could go back and look on my computer. Um, I'm hoping that he's not dead. There was some, they did play with a lot of death uh, of main characters in this episode. I was really surprised that they they, uh, did that on top of what happened with uh, Hank and Cristobal. Yes, yes. It was a it was a dark episode. A very dark sure. episode. Yet hilarious at times. Speaking of hilarious, time to talk about NoHo Hank, or just Hank now. I think he's mm. dropped the NoHo. Yes. Hank and Cristobal's League of Legitimate Crime Lords is ready for launch That's day. That's a good one. Hank is nervous about... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you gotta good. be laughing it's... about my own joke now. Thank yeah, you. no, I like it. Hank is nervous about Barry's escape, but Cristobal reassures him. After throwing a celebration for the leaders, Hank leads everyone inside the sand silo. There, he buries them in sand and rescues Cristobal at the last second. The rest of the crime families are killed by the Chechens at the same time. After dinner with the Chechens, in which Hank is given control of L.A., Cristobal leaves Hank. Hank pleads for him to stay, but Cristobal walks to his car and is killed by the Chechens. Man, uh, to, to kill Cristobal... Uh, you, you know, legit, legit death in the series, given that we're in the final series mm-hmm. uh, season. Um, but I, it was a, I was really, 
taken aback. I I was like, no, Christ, not Cristobal, no, right? You yeah, know, I, I love yeah. his character so much, and he's been through so much after being abducted by his wife mm-hmm. and tortured and all Conversion of that. Conversion therapy yeah, and all, all that. Yeah, all of that he went through. Uh, and finally, to to have that happen, I was really taken aback by that the fact that they, they went there. I think it went the way it the writers intended. I'm not arguing with their choices. I was just uh, uh, emotionally impacted by by what happened, and twice because we had the the fake out in the silo. Well, not the fake out, but the near death yeah. in the silo, and then his real death, which was very on the door closes and then the door opens and yeah. you know, we see his body. There's um, a couple fake outs actually because you mm-hmm. ha- you're right. The silo is a fake out. I wasn't even counting that, but that's right. And then you have a fake out of is is Hank being this like toxic partner where he's saying no, mm-hmm. you can't leave. You can't leave. It was it was getting very possessive, and I was getting very abuse vibes. And then right. I I realized afterwards, of course, no, that wasn't a possessive thing. That was uh, Try please don't go because you're gonna die. Because I know mm. you're gonna die if you leave. Right. And then they faked me out again because when Cristobal leaves, someone comes in dressed almost exactly like Cristobal, very similar. Yeah. Clothes. Right. Right. Yes. 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 And they go. I caught that oh, as I'm well. Sorry about that. You know, yeah. it's, it's, uh, you're like, for a second you go, did he come back in? No. No. He's dead. The, so as I mentioned before, I was listening with my uh, AirPods and um, the sound effects that they had of him being sucked down the sand well were, were actually terrifying. Mm-hmm. I was very disturbed by the muffled sounds that were happening and, the way that they were playing with the stereo si- sounds and the way that, you know, the the digging out and how the sounds got louder yeah. as Hank was digging down and it was more clear, the audio was more clear, you know, because there's less sand. They did a really good job. It was a very um, uncomfortable pro- yeah. whole thing it's to claustrophobic. watch. It's claustrophobic. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's, yeah. That was, and, that was terrifying to watch. And I, I mean, I thought, I thought he was dead at that point. I yeah, thought he so was for sure up. dead. Yeah. And 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 I thought, oh, okay, here they go. They're gonna, and then then um, uh, Hank is gonna feel guilty because he killed his uh, partner lover accidentally, you know, fair enough, and, and then didn't. And all the whole time that he's sinking down, I'm waiting for Hank to come running in, right? Because Hank has to realize once he's thrown the mechanism or done whatever, and he looks around and he's he's not there. Mm-hmm. I, the delay, I was, I, I was counting every beat of every moment going by, going, where is Hank? Why, why don't we hear his steps pounding up the, the staircase and running in there um, you know, sooner than, than what happened? Uh, right. It was really, I, I guess maybe that time dilation thing was happening. I was yeah. like, you know, hang yeah. on every moment. And of course, the fact that Cristobal basically experienced that death with the other crime lords. Yes. I think yes. added to his empathy for them mm-hmm. and added to his hor- horrifying experience and, and horror at what Hank has become. Mm. You know, he, he realizes what these people went through because he went through it himself. Right. Interesting. Yeah. A- kind of a moment he, of empathy. Right. And then he sees Hank and he goes, I don't even know you. You could have done that. I mean, you know, they'll they'll shoot each other, but to to kill somebody, I think somebody on the Discord or somebody on Reddit maybe was talking about how brutal it is to die by, you know, being crushed by sand. 
And I don't want to recount that here because it was horrifying. But (laughs) it does seem very terrible and maybe even worse than drowning, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, What did you make of their argument, their sort of lover's quarrel? Mm -hmm. Did you... I, I, it was so, if you had taken them out of being crime lord bosses and then just put that down into any regular old relationship, you know, between two human beings to between two people and something happens and, you know, maybe there's an infidelity or, or something else, some other lying or some, Mm -hmm. something that, that violates the trust. That argument just read like a straight relationship argument between two people. Yeah, although I, I like I said, I thought that there was a lot of uh, possessiveness happening on Hank's side until I realized afterwards it was actually protection. But, but the argument are you talking about the argument at the end or the beginning? The argument at the house after the Chechen. At the end. Leave. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, and, so and that's yeah, where, he does get more possessive as he's actually trying to leave. Yeah. Yeah. He got just he got the, like scary at, right. towards the end of that argument, but it was because he was. You know, it, it wasn't actually possessive. It was that was how we were reading it with an information deficit, but it was it was actually protecting Hank, and that that makes me think a little better of Hank, uh, <laughs> but not not a ton. <laughs> but if you so, I think what I'm trying to point at is is if you take that argument word yeah. for word verbatim, yeah, out of the context of Barry mm-hmm. season four finale, Chechen right. gangsters, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that that argument would read, and you just had two actors reading it straight, right? That would read like any other lover's quarrel, be they married, yeah. be they, you know, whatever their level of intimacy. That read to me like a regular old, sure, you know, like somebody cheated, the one partner cheated or did something to dominate or control or broke some sort of trust barrier, right? And then the other person's like, you're gross. I don't yeah. know how I got into this relationship. I need to leave. And the other person's stay. I love you. And trying to hug them. And, right. and, and, and yeah. Crystal Ball's yeah. like, get like the, his physical, like get your <laughs> hands off of me. You did a great disgusting. job. Yeah. Oh, it was such good acting, such good acting. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, I just felt like, and that I think, and what I'm pointing to is the brilliance of the writers here yeah. because they took a standard um, uh, relationship breakup argument but then they nested it inside of this crime lord yeah. storyline and it's brilliant it's it's very in its whole because yeah. you know you know here's a struggling actor story but the guy just happens to be uh you know an assassin right or a, <laughs> right. a crime syndicate meeting at dave and buster's having their corporate retreat. Right. you know there's, <laughs> exactly. there's all these kinds of things that are the same i think last season they had uh, Hank and Cristobal giving Barry relationship advice. Right. Exactly. You know, just as a couple, just exactly. normal. But, you know, it's all about trust, Barry. Yeah. It's, 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 it's great. That's, that's peak that's Barry, the show. as you said. Yeah, yeah. That's totally the peak, peak Barry. Um, yeah. What a, what a way for, for Cristobal to go out and, and interesting, uh, Hank's transformation mm-hmm. and his, his, um, you know, not only desire to be a crime lord, and I get the strategic position that mm-hmm. he was placed into, like they could be wiped out, or even if they weren't wiped out, if they, they would have to go on the run and go in hiding for a long time and what have you, because mm-hmm. the Chechens would mark them, right, for right. a certain death. Um, so I get the the thing that he tried to do, but he really did become very monstrous. 
yes. at the end with that decision. He did. He did. But I mean, what's the alternative is the Chechens come in and shoot them. Exactly. Right. It's, exactly. It's not, you know, dead is dead. I'll say that. Like right. he was going to do a bad thing <laughs> either way. And it's not like Cristobal hasn't ordered mass deaths either. So it's, it's, uh, true. it's a little hard to, it's a little hard to sympathize with Cristobal on that end. But I think that the way Hank just did that, and I, and I think even more so the way that Hank hid it from him. Mm-hmm. Was yeah, that, that, that was the, that's the real violation of trust there was right. that he did it in secret and without informing him or, or talking it through. Right. If you're going to unilaterally wipe out your business crime syndicate, yeah, y- you got to talk about it over with your partner. So you know? yeah, if you you know if you if you decide that the uh, the podcast is going to get sold to <laughs> <laughs> iHeartMedia or something like that, <laughs> yeah. So all right, I think it's time to move on to Sally. Sounds so good. So here's her plot line: Sally's one acting student booked a role in a superhero movie. Sally shows up on set to support her, only to find out that her student is bombing. While modeling the acting for her, she tries to poach the role by performing for the director. Her student's agent offers her a great job coaching and an opportunity to restart her career, but she does not accept it. After learning that Barry has escaped, she returns home, finds him, and joins him. Really? We end the episode with a dream sequence of Barry and Sally parenting their son, John. So, David, this was a lot of strange stuff. I, I also wanted to point out, are they parodying the Marvels and Wonder Woman at uh, the same time? I You know, whether they're doing a straight line or they're just doing a whole superhero thing, I think it's fine. It's de- It definitely had Wonder Woman vibes, mm-hmm. you know, with the sisters and, yeah, the whole Amazon. And you got the trio thing. of superheroes, though. Exactly. I mean, I was, I was feeling the Marvels, maybe just because I just edited your podcast with John and Alicia. Right. For uh, the MC Universe, go check that out if you haven't checked it out. It's on our feed now. Uh, but it, this was an absurd movie. The dialogue yes. was horrible. <laughs> was I was definitely funny. getting uh, Wonder Woman vibes. I more more so than anything else. That's yeah. Sure. I, th- I think yeah. that's right. Yeah. Um, Sally's acting. She really has hit a new plateau, or not a new plateau, but a new peak. Her her ability to. Um, see the method to be the not the method of acting but you know not method acting but the methodology of acting mm-hmm. and to be able the to Cusino communicate method. that the Kusino method uh is really good and when she tries to uh steal the role i guess in a way and then like even steps in front of the the other mm-hmm. woman in between her and the director yeah that, that was, was so, so uh, good <laughs> it was so good yeah uh, yeah. in in a cringe in a good cringe way, right? I guess this is the one kind of cringe humor that that's uh, playing on me. And she delivered that line so well, yeah. And it's a play within a play kind of thing, and yet she's selling it all the way through. I'm really really impressed with mm-hmm. uh, with her delivery. This but you also see sort of you know I know she was trying to poach it, and that was a crappy thing to do. But also the director then going, I need that to come out of that. Really does show you how, <laughs> you know, Hollywood becomes a looks game in yeah. a lot of these blockbuster movies. You know, do you have the right look for the character? Not do you have the acting chops? And right. I think, uh, you know, even when we talk fandom, when we talk Star Wars, when we talk Marvel, when they announce these characters, the ad- these adaptations of, you know, animated characters or or comic book characters, 
you see people, the first thing they look at is, do they look like the character? It's not, could this actor do the performance of the character? It's Mm. always, do they look like the role? Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's not really how we should be doing it. We should be trying to get the best performances out of these things. Mm. And the character, you know, the the character will morph to the actor. I really believe that. Okay. The character will morph to the actor if the actor, you know, believes in that character's essence and is, is able to capture that with their acting. Is this but the John Lorehound school of uh, <laughs> acting? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is my school of acting. No, I just mean, you know, it's, it's the John Lorehound school of casting. There you go. All right. It's, All right. Uh, it's, you know, can we, can we just give looks and visuals of the people yeah, a little right. bit of a backseat? I mean, you know what? We got enough deep fake now. Just, just change the face if you really want. Mm, right. <laughs> Don't really. That was a joke. That one. <laughs> what did you? Um, uh, what did you make of the coda? Did you see the movie Coda? I did not. Okay, did you? it's a good movie. Yeah, it's a good movie, and I and we watched it because um, my extended family um, has some. You know, there's some folks that live out uh, in and around that that area that area of the of the country. And mm-hmm. so there was this like, oh, we have to watch it because it's like in the town that, you know, the, down, the town next over kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really good. And I really enjoyed it. I don't know. It, did, it won an Academy, didn't it? it I have no best idea. Picture. I don't even know the movie. Oh, really? Well, there you go. It's, it's a really touching movie. But I guess um, I don't know much about uh, Sion Heder, uh, but that's her. I'm looking at her wiki page okay. and that's the actor. That's straight up. Nice. And so her... I love this sort of inside baseball aspect of them bringing yeah. that up. Uh, I was a director with integrity. I was making art. I was, yeah. you know, executing my vision. <laughs> and now they're throwing, they're dumping buckets of money on me to make yeah. this stuff. And it was yeah. really a, a really backhanded compliment to the, the whole movie industry, I guess. Well, I, they've done this a few times. They did, I think, a real casting director in... Season two and Barry books a mm. role will be just by reading the lines because he was tall. Right. They right. did, I think, a real streaming executive. I don't remember who in season three when Sally has her show going on and it's getting mm-hmm. canceled. So they they do try to pull real industry people to sort of make the industry into a funhouse mirror in, yeah. in the show. Yeah, I think that's a really great apt description. A funhouse mirror for sure. Yeah. Um, so this. Uh, yeah. For, first of all, let's let's talk about the moment of meeting Barry. You know, she's just received a seventy thousand dollar a month offer. A month offer. A film. A film. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was a month. I I seventy K a film. Well that's better. That's more reasonable. I was like, seventy K a month. Man, this lady is swimming in it. Who's gonna reject that? (laughs) Uh even that, I mean seventy K a film is great if if she Yeah, that's a legit offer. Offer. Yeah. 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 Uh but then she comes home and you know we've heard her say I feel safe with Barry and yeah, it's, it's so toxic. It's just so (laughs) toxic, but just like Barry comes out of the darkness to deliver that line and make so good in the first season, Mm -hmm. the queen is dead. You know, when he Mm. gives, when he gives Sally what she needs Mm -hmm. in the first season during her Macbeth performance, right? Now he's saying to, ba- to Sally, I'm here, you know, let's, well, actually, he really was saying, can I grass tonight? But, you know, he's, he's there and she just goes, let's go. And yeah. I love his delivery of 
really? Yeah. <laughs> right. It's I a had real a whole counter spiel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. I had my arguments all lined up. I had, yeah, I was just right. looking at just ooze the pathos of the moment and yeah. woo you off your feet. And you're like, yeah, with a high nasal sort yeah. of twang yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. They, they melded multiple uh, things together here because remember when uh, Moss's partner, her, her cop partner, Right. Uh, had gone, you know, if you if you kill this guy, I'll let you off. And Barry ends the episode going, what? And uh, I it, it had the same vibe, you know, he right. He he's just shocked by what just happened. And Bill Hader knows how to sell that. You know, he he yeah. knows how to sell that absurdist stuff. And just just what a delight. What a delight of comedy. And uh, I, I have no idea where they're going with their plot line. I don't know where they're going. I just know that they're now Bonnie and Clyde. Um, the. Just the setup, too, of her walking into her apartment, and then as they're panning around on the camera, and then they show that darkened room, you know, beyond the archway, I was I was like, okay, he's there, isn't he? Mm-hmm. I, I, and, and then they kind of cut around the room again, and then they show that again, and, you know, giving it to, you know, you're like, oh, hinting at, he's, is he there? Is he there? And then she looks right at that darkness. With a knowing heart, she absolutely positively knows his presence is there. Maybe she can't see mm-hmm. him, whatever. And she just speaks to him. And he, as he comes out of the shadow, it was, it was a real moment um, yeah. in, in their relationship as human beings, but also for us as an audience. And it's a great little piece of filmmaking. <laughs> I was really delighted by that scene. And I really like, I'm, I'm so glad the way that they played that. Yeah. Very curious to see where they go with that. I want to talk about this dream sequence now. Is this a dream sequence? Is it a flash forward? I I, I'm, I have an opinion, but I want to hear yours first. I'm confused. I was so confused by this because uh, what epi- I forget what episodes it was. Maybe was it episode two when um, Fuchs is out on that same patch of dirt right? and they're having that stuff. That's flashback, right? And mm-hmm. or at least that's what I was interpreting it as. And then we end up on that same patch of dirt with the kids, and there's nothing different between then and there. And I think they're they're totally doing that on purpose. They're yeah. they're overlapping these yeah. two uh, time frame. I don't know what they are, but you know, they're using the same visual language in them. But then they cut to to them in the trailer, right in the wine. And the right. beer and the donut, yeah. <laughs> like, like ooh, what what kind of family is this? Uh, I, I and I was just left totally and utterly baffled and confused by. I, I have I have no idea what to make of this. Well, let me try to help you because Mrs. Okay, Lorehound has come in with a uh, uh, lovely theory. Hey, she's a usually she's usually spot on with her analysis. She's, she's pretty good. She's yeah. pretty good. I married her, you know. And uh, <laughs> so, first of all, she thinks that this is a dream sequence. Okay. Because the half the the bite donut. Yeah. The bitten donut in the fridge matches, she thinks, the donut that is in the cover of season three that Barry was eating in the in the scene where he's talking, you know, to the hitman and things like that. He sorry, oh. he's he's talking to the guy he's doing the hit for and Okay. This seems to be something that's in Barry's brain that's showing up in the fridge. Interesting. Also, she thinks that the beer and the wine in the fridge with just a little donut shows that Barry doesn't really know what it takes to run a family. 
Right. You know, that's that's part of this subconscious If is if this is Barry's mind. Mm. making this, He thinks that that's enough to have a, a happy life with him and Sally. Interesting. And right. Yeah. The, it's the yeah. No, I get it. It's not the nuts and bolts of a daily living right. a daily life. It's the 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 cherries on top of the of the cake that right. you think about, not the oh, I need flour and eggs and milk and stuff to make right. the cake. Yeah, right. And it, you know, it, it does not have the same sort of aspect ratio. I think of the dream sequences Ooh, that's a in good season point. one. Okay, but I don't know. I think they could fake us out anyway. Yeah, I think yeah. they could fake us out anyway. I'm. I'm looking forward to seeing where they go with this because it seems really trippy. I hope I hope this doesn't turn out like the finale of Lost, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. They're all dead. And oh, sorry. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> it's the, 20 years old. Get over it's, it. <laughs> I know. Exactly. <laughs> the, the fact that it was wine and beer. And then when they cut to when they spin the camera around and show us two figures sitting at the table, mm-hmm. I was like, Woo, she's drinking wine and he's drinking beer and what kind of, you know, boy out here in the desert kind of thing. And then they turn and we see who it is. It yep. it really caught me off guard. I had I, I was totally I left the episode very stunned. You know, yeah. we have a potential, you know, Gene's son is potentially dead. Uh we've got Cristobal dead, and now Barry and Sally living in the, you know, some dirt farm in the middle of somewhereville yeah it yeah. was really yeah real head spinner of an episode yeah i i do think that it's where barry grew up and i think that okay. it's just gonna be a dream sequence and he says i was a kid here we're gonna have a kid there right that yeah, makes sense that that all the dream stuff does that does line up pretty well yeah so i i think so thank you to mrs lorehound for her I, contributions to this theory crafting we'll make sure that she gets all of her internet point winnings when uh when she brings it home there you go okay well david i think that's the end of the episode but we have a few more things to get through and those are our patreon shout outs yes oh i was just gonna say for feedback too don't don't forget to send us feedback to lorehounds at the lorehounds.com and we'll throw those in on the next or head over to our website and uh, you could use the voicemail thing you can use the contact form thing. Um, and uh, we opened up a new channel on our Discord server. So if folks got comments and things that they want to add there in the normal course of conversing with other uh, Lorehound uh, folks, um, we'll try to pull those in uh, when and where appropriate. But yes, patrons. Patrons. We love them. They're here. We do. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got quite a few Loremasters now. The Loremasters are our $10 tier. They are our top contributors. They are our biggest fans and we love them dearly because they help us keep making this podcast and taking on too many shows again (laughs) and uh here we are on barry jumping in halfway through the season with our list of 23 lore masters samartian cyrus mark h michael g michelle e david w brian p nick w sc peter oh bettina w adam s nancy m lavinia t doof 71 Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, and DJ Miwa. In the Ooh, that list is getting long, David. Very long. And just thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers, uh, no matter what level. Uh, we understand everybody's Absolutely. circumstances are different. Um, and so we appreciate all of it. We are coming up on our one year 
anniversary, our 111th uh, birthday, as they mm-hmm. might say in mm-hmm. in um, in Middle Earth. 111st. 111st. And to, well, I don't know, is it a celebration? We're trying to get sort of to another level so that we can bring in some more resources up underneath us so we can, you know, uh, keep this content machine turning. And so we're going for 100 patrons. Um, we want to break that 100 patron uh, ceiling. And everyone who is subscribed by the end of uh, July, our birthday is on July 11th, and everyone who subscribed through that month, we're going to send you a special thank you gift. We've got one in production. I don't want to say anything until it's sort of done. We'll start teasing it as we get closer. Um, and uh, so that would be a thank you gift for us from us to get us over 100 subscribers. And that would just be a big milestone uh, and would really help us materially uh, with our productions. We've got multiple other Patreon benefits coming up as well. We're going to add a different kind of uh, potential way to subscribe. Uh, we've got a couple of... Uh, I, I, I'm, we're still working we out a couple We've got a lot things. of things coming. we, we got, got things digital, coming. Digital yes. goodies, if you don't yes. want to give us your address, and that's totally fine because for the, for the mailable yeah. prize, you will still get digital goodies. Yeah, more, there are more things coming. That is the thing that is important. Uh, so stay tuned. And we'll have more information about all of those specifics as we get closer. John, we've got a busy month of May. What is up on our schedule? So much. We just started Barry, as you know, because you're here. We're also doing White House Plumbers oh, yeah, in that's short tonight. form. Uh, well, tonight, yeah, we got to go watch yeah, it. 45 minutes, you got to go watch yeah. it. Yeah, I got to get this thing edited. Uh, Ted Lasso is going strong. We're having a great time there on the pitch. We are also this Saturday doing a Star Wars live watch at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we're going to be doing that on the Discord, so you can hop on there. David's going to be projecting as the as a projectionist yeah. <laughs> uh, the original Star Wars film, the, the pre-special edition film where Han shot first. You're going to see bad boy Han That's right. all over that screen. And we're going to be there on the text chat. We might do a little bit of voice chat before and after, but during the movie, we're going to be on text chat. Just chatting with the, the fans, and we hope you'll join us there. That's open to everybody. All right, David, I think that's about it for this week. We have plenty more, and you can check out all our podcasts on our community updates tab on our Discord. So I hope people will join us there for more conversation. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We will see you next time. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash the Lorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond.